Welcome back, and you've heard me talk about this so many times before, but I'm going to say it again in this episode. It means a little more. The sawed-off CrossFit Kids program in College Station, Texas. Get your kids learning how to move correctly, balance, body awareness, agility, and sports-specific training. Whatever their needs are in life and whatever your needs are as a parent and want to teach them and have them learn, sawed-off CrossFit Kids is the place to go. It has a coach that designs each and every workout of the day specifically to her class and their needs and whatever the needs of the kids are. It's fantastic. And you know what the greatest part about it is? You can try it for absolutely free. So head on over to the Sawed Off CrossFit Kids Building. Sawed Off CrossFit Kids Building? The Sawed Off CrossFit Building in College Station, Texas, and sign up for the free Sawed Off CrossFit Kids program. All right. The next one I want to promote is an entrepreneur that's local here in town that has just found a way to succeed even through all of this pandemic and the bars and clubs and wedding venues shutting down, you name it. DJ Rob, Rob with a hat on Instagram. Check him out. He has started this apparel line that is really cool. I mean, it is rad, man. I mean, I wear the the shirt that says Rob on the front with a hat in the middle, and everybody asks me, where'd you get that? That thing's so cool. Who is Rob? what is that? That's that's an awesome clothing line. He's got a bunch of different logos, a Topo Chico design logo. He's got a bunch of different things. And you can find it all at Merge Boutique in College Station, Texas on University Drive in Century Square. So go check it out and support some local businesses, local entrepreneurs, and just an overall really rad dude. DJ Rob or Rob with a hat, check him out at Merge Boutique. This episode is with Jenny Urich. She is the creator and founder of A Thousand Hours Outside, and it is a program to get your kids outside for four to six hours, two to three times a week at least, or just outside more, soaking up sunshine, doing hikes and learning things. She talks a lot about the health benefits, about how many doctor's appointments she hasn't had to have since she started doing this, and just her overall, she's just like a bright and shining light. She's so happy, and she really makes getting outside cool again. So, Please enjoy this wonderful conversation that I have, and I'm so thankful that she agreed to be on the podcast and visit with me about getting your kids outside, Jenny Urich. Such a wild start to the podcast. It was so much struggle with that link and everything to get everything going, but here we are. Here we are. Yay, technology. Okay. So you do something that is actually kind of near and dear to our hearts as a family. Um, and I'll let you do some explaining about uh, um, what it is that the Thousand Hours program that you have is. Sure. Um, so this is just um, the story of our family's journey. This isn't really anything that I came up with. Um People have been talking for a long time, hit or or miss, about um, the fact that kids need a certain amount of time outside. And I think um, probably for a very long time, no one had to talk about it because that was the only option. You know, I grew up in the 80s and the 90s and, you know, TV was on Saturday morning and we didn't have Nickelodeon and Um, you know, so there was a little bit in the afternoon, but, you know, things weren't so programmed and, and kids just played. So, um, fast forward to becoming a mom myself and there's TV is available 24 seven. You know, this is just a crazy, crazy time to be a parent. And, um, so I didn't really know what to do with my kids. We had three right in a row. Uh, they were under two, three of them under I know that doesn't make sense. They were under three, I think. <laughs> They're like two, one, and a baby. I was just sort of drowning, you know. It's really um, exhausting and overwhelming. And I didn't really know what to do with them. And so we just sort of enrolled in programs like swim class and library program and mops. And those were awful, you know, to try and drag kids out and, you know, for 45 minutes and then turn around and come back home and it'd be lunch and I'd be just done. <laughs> My blood pressure is through the roof, you know, trying to get three kids out of a car and, and you're through a parking lot and make sure I have all the things and they're all crying. And so I just had this season of a couple years as a new mom where I was not thriving, um, really discouraged. And, um, 
I think as so ha- often happens in life, just a happenstance, um, a really small thing changed our whole life. A friend who told me about Charlotte Mason, who was from the 1800s, um, but she was an educator. She didn't even have children herself, but she had this whole philosophy on parenting and education, which sometimes you get, I think, when you step back. You know, you can kind of see the bigger picture when they're not your kids. But she said that kids should be outside for four to six hours whenever there's tolerable weather. And I, it just sort of blew my mind, that singular statement. I didn't know anything about her. Um, but I did know that all of the activities that we did were like 30 minutes or 45 minutes, you know, or maybe an hour. But, you know, nothing was this extended period of time. So I thought it was crazy. But my friend invited me to go along with her to a park for four hours. And I thought, well, this is this is weird. You know, what are we going to do? That's a really long time. The kids are going to get bored. Um, but I did it. Because, you know, you want to, like, have those friendships. And so back in 2011, at a three, you know, our oldest was three at that point and a one and a baby. And we went to this park that didn't have a playground. It was just this open field and a, and a creek that ran through. And we went from nine to one and we packed a picnic lunch. And here I am sitting on your podcast because it was so life-changing. And... um you know, the kids just played and they ran around and we had our picnic and I was able to talk to a friend and it was sort of the first day I'd had as a mother where I felt like I I can do this. You know, it was so um, encouraging to me and, you know, then we came home and some of them napped and it, it just got me through the day. So um, it was so good for her as well that for a long time we did that, you know, two to three times a week where we would meet up at these local parks, um, sometimes with a few families, and and aim to stay for four to six hours. And it changed me, you know, right off the bat. Um, it took me, you know, out of this really sort of deep, dark place where I was really struggling to a, to a place where I felt um, more confident. But I didn't know that there were any benefits. You know, I just was having some fine days. I was relieved. Um, but very shortly, I noticed a lot of changes in my kids. You know, they were really rugged. They were trying all sorts of new movements. They were happy. They were not getting sick. We haven't um, needed a doctor's appointment since 2011. You know, I have five kids. So that's a long, you know, it's a lot of years to not need a doctor's appointment. And so eventually, you know, I think I read the Charlotte Mason um, information and there's a lot of great information out now, like Balanced and Barefoot by Angela Hanscom. She's a pediatric occupational therapist, and Richard Louvre has some books um, that my eyes were opened to how, how many benefits. I, mean, I don't even know them all. They're still coming in. I've been reading about it for a long time, how beneficial this is for our kids. And so um, a thousand hours outside was sort of just birthed out of our family's experience of back to nature um, in a time where there's a lot of tech and a time when there's a lot of pressure to enroll in programs um, in a time that doesn't really trust play anymore. And so a thousand hours came from, um, from a math major. So at some point I just added up, I don't really know why I added up how much time we were spending outside is this little nature group. Um, so we were four to six hours, three days a week. We were trying to meet up. So we were about 18 to 20 hours outside every week, and that ended up being like around 1,200 hours a year, which is exactly the amount of time that kids are on screens in America. That's the average, is 1,200 hours a year. And so what was eye-opening to me most was not that screens are bad, but how much life we're missing. You know, because we'd have we would have all these amazing experiences. So, one thousand hours outside is a little catchier than twelve hundred hours outside. <laughs> and so that was it. I mean, it's just sort of, you know, our family's journey into in, doing life differently. I didn't really expect for it to take off, um, but it's become a, a global movement. It's really neat to see people's lives being changed simply through nature play. So is, that's it in a nutshell. 
Isn't it crazy how you're saying that you live life different and that's what your story is and this thing is catching on when it's something that we just did naturally? Like beforehand, I wouldn't even come inside until the sun was down. Like I would worry my mom that I wasn't going to come back inside. I'd go get lost chasing rabbits or hunting things or riding my horses or even when I got older, like riding my bike and rollerblading across town. And I'm just like, no, I want to be outside. Like this is where I need to be. And it did evolve. Like something happened. We went to work and I didn't really even notice it or think about it. And then all of a sudden I see an ad on like watching a football game that says play for 60 minutes. I was like, why you got to tell a kid to play for 60 minutes? Like that's, that's dumb. <laughs> like kids, it are, is. they're of course going to play for 60 but, minutes, right? Yeah. But you know that the stats say that the average kid only gets four to seven minutes of outside free play a day. That is that's where we're at as a society. So the national wildlife federation has an article out about it. And it's also written in, um, Scott Sampson has a book. He like does PBS dinosaur training. I think um, it's in his book as well. That stat of four to seven minutes a day, and and I and I believe it because I think it's changed because of COVID. But the reason that so I you know I started writing about our experience was because we're kind of in a where do you live? We're kind of in a populous area. We're in like the Metro Detroit area in Michigan. So I, yeah, so I live I live in Texas. Uh, right, okay. right in the center of Texas, pretty much College Station. Okay, so we're real far. Yeah, so we, we're in Michigan. <laughs> yes. It's like snowing here, um, but it's pretty populated. And we would, we never ran into one other child, not one time. You know, not toddlers, not preschoolers. You know, I can kind of understand kids that are in school. That makes sense, but like. No child. We didn't run into anyone else for years. And we're at these, you know, parks that are, you know, in the middle of neighborhoods and in the middle of, you know, huge, hugely populated um, areas. So I, you know, I believe the numbers and I don't think it comes from ill intention. You know, I think it comes from lack of wisdom. I think it comes from pressure you know, is pressure to speak another language and pressure is your kid doing this, 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 this. It's just, we're paddling in the wrong direction. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree with it. And the, the, I don't think, I really don't think it's out of good. It's also, I think out of convenience a lot, like we're blown and going through our day. Work gets more intense as technology evolves and you can work from anywhere, which is awesome. It also has the downside, which is you can always have that switch on and so it's convenient just to hand a kid a device or tell them to get on the TV or whatever it is and, and just entertain while you do your thing, like your adult thing. And then it becomes a habit where you don't even realize. So I don't think it's out of intention at all either. It just blows my mind. And something you said really is crazy is that you spending four to six hours a day outside and the 1,200 hours that you had a year, right, was the same amount of time kids were on screens. And that is insane. I think that's the whole gist of it is that we don't really realize what we're missing out on. And, you know, I've had parents message me that in, in different wordings, but, you know, to say I would have, they'll send me a picture. You know, I sent the very first one I remember because it was really this cool moment where they had gotten up at sunrise and there was a snowfall, which (laughs) you're not familiar with, but, you know, snow's coming, the sunrise. And they said, you know, we only went to, to get our time in. And she said, we would have missed this moment completely. And that's sort of how I feel about it is we're missing, we're missing a lot, both as parents and as kids, I think, and families. But yeah. And, and you also said that it benefits you as well as a parent. We, we can't just say that it's just the kids. I mean, think about with the COVID stuff now, vitamin D is so important. And in Michigan, I mean, we do a lot of traveling and we just came from a little snowstorm from Thanksgiving. Uh, our brand new newborn got to play in the snow for the first time in a little snowsuit. So it was super fun. Um, but your vitamin D time is precious because you don't have as much where you're at. Like I can get it any time of the year. In fact, if I don't have it, I'm like, man, why is it all cloudy out today? This is terrible, you know? Um, but you don't have it as much. So it's even more important for someone in your area to get out and about while you have all that sunshine. 
Yeah, it's a big deal for our health. I think that's why we haven't needed doctor's appointments. And I, you know, I used to think, you know, everyone gets sick in the fall. I'm not sure if that's the same in Texas, but everyone here tends to get really sick in the fall. And I used to think, well, kids go back to school and there's all these germs. But we um, homeschool and our kids would still at the very beginning get sick in the fall. And I think, but now they don't. And I think I think it has to do with that lack of outdoor, like in the fall, you move inside, right? Whereas in the summer, you're out more, but in the fall, everything moves inside. And, um, you know, the days are short, so you get out of school and it's dark and your time outside to play is like not available. Recess is really short. So I've been learning a lot about the benefit of sunlight um, and how that really affects your health. It, it resets all your body systems, especially if you're exposed to sunlight in the morning, that there's over 100 body systems that um, need that sort of day and light cycle. And so, you know, we're meant to be outside to sort of have that light kind of guide us through the day and guide our systems. And so there's just always something new to learn about, which has also been really surprising. Yeah, and it's, I mean... And just walking around, like, we love to hike. So we don't get our kids gifts for Christmas. We hike. We Well, we take trips, and then we go exploring. So it's like a unique thing. And uh, like this one to Colorado Springs, we did a bunch of hiking. And the kids have a blast. We go see waterfalls. Then they go, like, you know, wandering off, like, these little paths and pick up sticks and start finding ice in the streams. And it turns into this, like, full day of entertainment. Before you know it, we're like... Oh hey, we've hiked five miles. Like, oh really? The day's not even done yet. Like we 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 want to keep going. And so, um, the the things that they learn, like they see different birds and animals, and they ask questions, and they read the signs on the hiking trail, and just all the different things that they learn from just just a simple thing like walking on a trail. It's amazing. Right. I think we discount it because it is so simple, you know. And so we and so we think. Oh, we, we should enroll them in this tutoring program or they need more math practice. But, you know, I've learned a lot about how really we just want kids to have brains that function well. And that's what movement does. It helps to enhance all of their connections between their neurons. And so their brains are like rapidly firing when they're outside because there's so much sensory input, because they're moving in ways that, you know, they, that causes them to pay attention. They have to really pay attention. We like to hike um, uh, in North Carolina. I don't know how far that is from you, but there's it's a really cool. It's waterfall. a good ways away. It's a good ways. Okay, because <laughs> there's a really cool. There's a really cool waterfall there called um, Slide Sliding Rock or Slide Rock. There's one in Sedona too, but like a natural waterfall. And um, I just remember even recently we you know, we go there and you're hiking and everything is wet, wet, slippery rock. And you really have to pay attention. It gives your brain a workout. So that's what kids are doing naturally, you know, when they're trying to balance and they're trying to balance on ice or they're trying to break things, you know, they're on a log and they're, they're trying to walk across it. You know, all their, all their neurons are firing. So I think it gives them a robust brain for a lifetime. Um, so, you know, we think about academics, we think about pencil and paper, but I'm starting to really think about brain function. It's funny you say that because if you think about all the problems you solve, just little problems that you don't even realize and, and the creativity that comes from just learning to play with nothing there, like nothing in front of you designed, Mm -hmm. but the problem solving aspect of the angles of, like you said, stepping on that rock with ice on it, it's the angle, the speed the way your foot lands, you have to figure that all out in your brain. And then you just and do it. quickly. Yes. And then you mm-hmm. you slip and fall and you get wet. And then you learn not to step on it that way. Or you figure out like where your balance points are. And, and then you're off and running and you don't even think about that problem solving. But I think just in talking this conversation, I'm, I'm thinking that that helps us out in problem solving on pen and paper as well. Like figuring the things out. Like our brains are going to work on a different level if we're constantly figuring out how to fix things. Yeah, if we're using them all the time. Carl, so there's a book called – the people who are writing a lot about sort of the decline in play are the 
the pediatric occupational therapists because they are seeing all of these kids who have to come in for therapy how much it's increased in the past couple decades and how the waiting lists are so long so another um, so Angela Hanscom, she's a pediatric occupational therapist, and she wrote a book called Barefoot and Balanced, which is fantastic. Um, and there's another one. Her name's Carla Hannaford. She's a PhD. Same thing, pediatric occupational therapist. And so she has a book called Smart Moves, Why Learning is Not All in Your Head. And, you know, because I thought that, you know, learning is like when you study for a test. And But she says um, – this quote that elderly, the statistic that elderly people who dance regularly, so complex movements, have a 76% less chance of developing dementia, which is just like a huge, I mean, it's huge. Like if there was a pill that you could take that would reduce your, you know, risk of dementia by 76%, I think everybody would take that. And, and all you have to do is dance regularly. And so she talks a lot in her book about nerve networks and how we have all these neurons, um, but the networks are what we're trying to grow and enhance and so that those, you know, they fire quicker and, you know, they're myelinated, I guess, um, is that what you would say? But, um, you know, I think that there's so much value in the complex movements that kids do, and they do them naturally, right? So I don't know how old yours are. Mine are 4 to 12. But they, you know, they progress through these series of movements when they have freedom. You know, they learn to climb the trees, and they learn to skateboard, and they learn to ride a bike, and then they, you know, then they ride on the handlebars. And, and they are constantly doing harder things, not because they've been asked, but because they're driven to do them. Yes, and that is so in like that's a natural thing in all humans. Like once you get to a certain level, you you need something to challenge you and level you up. Like that's just mm-hmm. something you need to do. I mean, even if they're playing video games, I had one kid tell me he just sits inside and he plays video games all the time. He works, you know, at the company where I work and he's he's like, I mean, he's a good kid, but I'm I asked him, he's like, I'm not really competitive. I go, "Uh-uh, everybody's competitive." Like, do you try to win your video game? Yes. Like, do you get mad whenever you lose your video game sometimes? Yes. Well, then you're competitive. Like, I don't understand where the disconnect is or where people think, I'm not this or I'm not that. You're just that in a different realm. You're not, it's not on the sports field or, or this, but it's a competitive thing. And in everything that we do, we're trying to get better and improve no matter what that is. Well, and that's a really interesting point, Aaron, because I think that what's going on with the screens is that they're hitting these baseline needs that we already have and that maybe we should be getting in other ways. You know, we should be challenging our bodies or we should be challenging our minds. But because the screens, because the video games provide that for us, they provide that for kids, um, they're not they're not getting it in other ways. Yeah. Yeah. And they're not, they're, they're all that, well, they call it dopamine or whatever. I mean, and all that is being absorbed. You make a good point by the, your needs fulfilled by succeeding in this thing. Like, oh, I've done this and now I'm, no, I've worked that muscle for the day. So I don't really have to worry about it outside and go outside and play. Yeah. How did you come, like, so you started this, the name, you just picked it, decided to start a website and the charts and write a book and all this stuff just from all this information that you started taking in? Yeah, I think because I was at such a low point being a mom and because we were outside for so – we had done it for maybe um, several years before I started just a little blog, you know. I thought, well, this information has changed my life so much. And, you know, my life has been changed by small things that people say or, or small um, – things that I observe other families do. So I thought, well, I'll just write about how, you know, maybe there's another mom out there that's really struggling or feeling this pressure to enroll, enroll, or, um, you know, like you have to start their college resume when they're two, you know, there's a lot of that. So yeah, I started, so I started writing about it and it's sort of waxed and waned. We have five kids. So um, and I'm a stay at home mom and we homeschool and my husband's had different jobs and we've moved and, um, but um, about a year and a half ago, I had read, and we talk about small things. I read about this family where um, 
they were home educated and the dad took over the education when the kids got in high school and they basically did like internship with their dad. They would travel with him for work. I'm not sure what you do, but it sort of got our wheels spinning. Like our kids couldn't travel with my husband. He's in sales. You know, no one brings their kids. Right. So, um, so we talked about, well, what is some, what is something that we could include our kids in a real world work experience as they get older? So ours are getting to be toward teenage years, our older ones. And I thought, well, I already have this little, it's very small, this small business on the side. It's something I'm passionate about. You know, I have little speaking opportunities here and there, and, you know, we can have a small product line. And so it, really was sort of this way of um, including our kids in real world work experiences for them to see what is an email and you know can I sit through a meeting on ordering t-shirts and what is that like and that was sort of the impetus to to take it to the next level Um, and I I just think it's a message that people need I think they need um, they need to be reassured that what they see is the right path is actually the right path. You know, I think there's a lot of voices out there of fear and pressure. Um, and so now we've been on the journey for eight years or nine years or going on 10. And I can look back and say, this really worked. Our kids are thriving, you know, and we don't have health problems and, um, you know, not that, not that it solves everything, but, um, you know, it's been fine it's been fine to forego some of the extra academic work and, um, and just play and give them that foundation that kind of lasts forever, I think. But also it's done wonders for you as a parent. So like, it's, it's not just, it's not just this, it's, it's everybody. Like it's a everybody thing. You know, you, right. you're using that as it like, Hey, let's take the kids out. And now you're out as a mom and you, you had this low point. And now you're just, now you're, you've got like refreshed, you reset the button because uh, obviously we have kids, uh, we've got four of them, you know, a newborn that's just two months old and you get reminded, you know, after so long of what it's like to take in and out of car seat and how long it takes, you know, we're, we're constantly trying to figure out our time schedule in switching kids off and because now we've got to get start like an hour earlier to load up all of the, you know, it's not that much. But it's a long it's a process. Of, it is a lot to of get work. Going. It's a lot of work. Yeah, and it, it continues to be. I, you know, I don't think that that part changes. It's a lot of work. It's different than it was in the '80s and the '90s, where all the kids and, and earlier. You know, like my my father in law talks about how on the street that he lived in. He said it was a bunch of Catholic families, and they had a ton of kids. And he said, growing up, within the first. I don't know, something like seven homes on either side. There were 70 kids. And so they played outside all the time. You know, it, it was a thing where the mom would just set, or they wanted to be out. They wanted that social interaction and there was nothing else to do. So I do think that now it requires a lot more intention and a lot more work because it's not just shooing your kids out the door. It's taking them on a hike or it's coordinating with a friend to meet up somewhere um, because it's not part of our culture as much anymore. That's the but, that's the crazy right. thing. Not ca- part of our culture and having to schedule it. So like when I was growing up, we never really scheduled a bunch of things. We could just go outside, knock on the neighbor's door. Do the kids want to play? And we run around. And then we'd have a sandlot baseball game or football. Or we'd go, you know, riding bikes and we'd play races around the block. I mean, we would get creative with all that stuff. But you are correct and and not in a bad way which i love the way you put that it's not an intention thing but that the culture has moved away from that being an inviting thing to do to knock on your neighbor's door and to ask the other kids if they want to just go out and ride a bike Mm -hmm. and i like what you said about you know you play your games there's a lot I don't remember. I've read about it in a couple of different books. Maybe Richard Louvre has Last Child in the Woods, or it might even be that Scott Sampson book. But they talk about the value in child-led games. You know, so a lot of kids are playing sports. We would notice, you know, on the weekends, we would be heading to a park to go on a, you know, a hike or something. And like the local school there would be a bazillion cars you know they're all there for weekend sports games and which have value for sure 
Um, but they talk about in those books about the, the pickup games that, you know, we did as a kid, kid too. There was like a little baseball field in our neighborhood. And sometimes you would have three kids and sometimes you would have 10 kids and, and you had to make up these rules. And so the value in, you know, childhood games and, um, the, the creativity, but also the, um, you know, you have to work out your interpersonal skills. You have to adapt. You have to, um, you know, uh, I can't think of what the word is. So like you have to, um, you know, someone will say this and you've got to, you know, you've got to make it work or people are going to quit. So you learn a lot of social skills, I think, through that outside play as well, especially making up your own things. That's a that's an interesting point because I can remember making up we we I mean like bank off the glass where's the foul ball like there's trees my grandma would try to so we would put water in the yard all the time and play we wanted to play in the mud whatever it was baseball we wanted to slide in the mud football we wanted to slide in the mud and get dirty like that's what we wanted to do so she started putting trees in certain spots so that we wouldn't mess up her yard. Right. And so we would just play around the trees, like over the tree. This tree is a home run. If it hits this tree and falls and you catch it, it's an out. It still counts. And this is a foul ball. Like, and then we would play like banks and the whole thing. Like, it's funny that you say that. And watching our kids as they run around and make up these games that they play, like one thing they call zombie, which I don't even know what it is. They just made the game up and they ride around the park in the area. Um, but they've made up these whole things. They have a rule system, the whole thing. So it's funny that you say that, that personal skills be being to person to person, being able to work things out and create this game with rules. And com- compromise. Yeah. Right? If you think about it, like if, if you go down the line two decades and they're in a boardroom, like I think they learn how to assert themselves, but not too much. You know, they learn how to compromise. They learn how to take in new ideas. They, they learn how to be adaptable. You know, so there's so many skills they learn through, play, through free play. You know, you don't get those sitting at a desk. No. No. It's so weird. Why do you think that they put so much emphasis on the educational system? And see, I was homeschooled and, I, and I, all our kids go to public school. So I have an appreciation for both. I don't think either one is bad from what I've seen, but I'm I'm wondering why there's so much because I'm not great with a pen and paper. Like that's where I struggle. I absorb the information when I'm when I like things, I absorb it like crazy. But I'm not good with pen and paper all the time, right? And so that's just not right. who I am. And so I see kids out there like uh, just they the pressure is put on them just for pen and paper school. Like that's it. Like that gets heavier and heavier. And what you're saying, the outdoor, like recess time you pointed out is nothing. Like it really is nothing for their day. Think about the difference. If you taken your four to six, three days a week and take it down to an hour now. And that- I know. I think it's really, it is really affecting children. You know, I think we would be remiss to say that it is not, even if things are well, well-intentioned. I used to be a teacher. I taught um, high school math before we had kids. And um, and then my last year, I was an, an administrator where I oversaw the curriculum from kindergarten to 12th grade, the math curriculum to make sure that it was equitable across the district and from school to school. And that was the year that they rolled out full-day kindergarten in our area. Now, I don't know if they have full-day kindergarten in Texas. Yeah. Um, they they didn't 10 years ago. I mean, this is like or, – or maybe it was 12. It was 12 years ago at this point that they rolled – I mean, and it just kind of swept through. Kindergarten was half day, and then all of a sudden, you know, one year to the next, it was full day. And so I was sitting in these meetings with these – kindergarten teachers and sort of the administrators about what are we going to do for the kindergartners for this extra time and every single kindergarten teacher said they need to play you know they need we need to bring back station time and they need a recess and they need a nap and you know they the, the teachers knew but for whatever reason it went it went the way of the administrators and it went toward academics the teacher's voice was not heard voices because there was a lot of them and I just think you know a a lot of it has to do with uh, checking the boxes or or 
what can you put on a report card, right? You can't put, well, this kid caught 15 frogs, you know, way to go. He must be really fast and agile. But you can put that, you know, he can he can do his multiplication tables. So it's become sort of this, a lot of people say it started a little bit with the no child left behind, <clears throat> politically almost even, which is like, you know, we're, we're trying to move kids through these check boxes so that we have data, so that we can you know, say they've accomplished X, Y, and Z, but we're leaving off such a huge portion of who they are and the whole child and um, because you can't measure it. So then it all of a sudden it becomes less important. But you can if you use your chart. (laughs) You can, you sure can, but that's not going on a report card, right? (laughs) Which is how many hours. But it is cool. There have been some gym teachers who are using it. Really? You know, especially during COVID, mm-hmm, they're partnering with the families and saying, let's get these kids outside and how many hours. I just had a gym teacher message that they're making shirts, I don't know, for the gym class and they're going to put 1,000 hours outside in the back. So I'm like, that's really cool. You know, they're starting to implement it. Um, the gym teacher was frustrated because he he said, now this is a different perspective, but that like his job is constantly not seen as important you know um in comparison but you know i would argue that that's the foundation i i mean i would agree and it's kind of weird that they would make it i mean i guess it's the evolution human evolution like and and things that you don't even realize but yeah the the gym teacher not holding any weight it's just a gym teacher he's not even a coach of sports right because a lot of time gym when you're in the grades that have gym teachers you don't have sports teams those are all leagues outside of school so i mean a gym teacher oh it's just go we're gonna go there we're gonna do these shoddy push-ups and they play these games then we're oh, what class do i have next when's lunch mm-hmm. like it's 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 looking over that uh that thing and everybody gets a hundred percent recess right so right but recess is pretty short sometimes i hear people i'm out of the loop but sometimes people say 25 minutes we had long recess when i was a kid I remember having an hour in elementary school, having an hour at, at least twice a day, and then sometimes maybe a third shorter recess. And I also I remember I have this memory, the funny memories you have from a child of being like so immersed in play with a friend. Our school had like huge tires that you could climb up in that we didn't hear the bell. And so I think we were out there for like an extra hour and nobody knew we were out there and then we were afraid we were going to get in trouble. But like that, but you, you know, those things are so valuable. The things that kids come up with on their own, um, you know, that those things serve them for life and information is constantly changing we have the internet at our fingertips. So we really want kids who have, you know, really agile brains, not necessarily ones that are stuffed filled with facts. Yeah. So do you, do you combine the two that the, like, so you promote yourself on social media, obviously. So technology is not something, and you do a really good job at it, by the way. Like it's, it's a really well-run site. Like everything is eye-catching it's interesting oh, and all thank that. Thank you. Uh, and I have then, no idea what I'm doing. So I appreciate that. <laughs> well, obviously great. something's, right. I mean, if you're getting speaking opportunities, obviously something you're doing is working, right? But it's the, the, the point of like, I guess it's the technology has, I don't know if it's ruined it. I don't know. I don't know where it it shifted and went off like in a different direction versus what you were saying with playing out there and, and getting lost in that moment and learning how to play and it being like an hour and then shrinking down and shrinking down and shrinking lower. But do you combine the different things like so the technology, do you use that when you go on your hikes and come back and Google stuff and look it up on the internet and read about it and research it? Or do you stick mainly to books and research that way? We don't do a lot of um, online technology with our kids yet in terms of research. I mean, we have a ton of books. I had this really cool experience where um, we went down to Florida. So Michigan winters get awful. We usually go to Florida. We try to go to Florida in February and our son learned to read um, we wait a little bit. He was seven. We went down to Florida and, um, we were at a nature center there and the, 
the worker was saying, well, watch out for this certain type of snake. We've seen it on the side of the building. And I'd never heard of that type of snake. But my son just rattled off all these facts about that particular type of snake. And I thought, well, when they're, it was so eye-opening for me because I'm like, well, they're learning things that are interesting to them. And then it's, it's stuck with them. You know, it's like true learning. I, I, did, I was not homeschooled. Um, so I have this experience of a childhood where you kind of learn for the exam. You know, you learn um, because you're kind of coerced to learn. And um, you have these things that you're supposed to give to an adult, give to a teacher. You know, they, they tell you what to do. And so my kids are learning because they're interested just solely based on interest. And so it has been cool. Each of our kids has um, sort of found a little area of interest that they really like. Our oldest um, is a reader and a writer, so he always has his books with him. But our second, our daughter, she's 11, she's really interested in farming. And so we actually recently moved to a farm. But before that, we um, had some friends, and we went to their house every Wednesday. They lived on a farm. They were so gracious. They let us come and um, and sort of just let her kind of help. And she learned – I can't even tell you how much she learned. It was just wild through experience. And our next one is really into uh, geology. So he likes to find rocks, and, you know, he'll read about those. And then our fourth is seven. She's really into botany. So she likes to, like – it's just been interesting to see how their specific interests take them down this multifaceted learning opportunity path. You know, because if you're learning about – we joined a geology club back before COVID, which was, like, a bunch of old people and us. And, um, <laughs> and uh, But it was nice. They had hot chocolate. It was really cool. But all the kids went, and, you know, when you're learning about geology, well, certainly you're learning language, you know, you're learning new words, certainly you're learning geography, you know, where are these rocks coming from, you're learning history, you're learning science, obviously, um, you're learning math, uh, the, the kids learned the different grit of, I don't even remember, but like they would polish the stones and you have to change the grit, and so it really opened my eyes at this interest-based learning that stemmed from their outdoor experiences um, allowed them to learn about all sorts of things and in a way that um, mirrors how life is structured, right? Life is very interdisciplinary. We don't, you know, we don't enter into the adult world of work and say, you know, this is all compartmentalized, you know, everything kind of is centered, you know, there's synergy. So, um, that's been really a neat thing to watch, you know, that their interests kind of bloom based on their experiences and um, I sort of unfold into these great opportunities. And you're not a farmer, right? Well, we just we just moved to a farm. Um, I grew up going to my great uncle's farm. I told you I think I was named after my grandma, Virginia. So she was born on a farm in West Virginia. So we grew up going and visiting when we were kids. And I just have really good memories of the simplicity of that. So um, we did actually move to a farm about a year and a half ago. And we have some goats and uh, chickens and cows. That's <laughs> so awesome. So I think we're like legit at this point. I don't know if we really feel like farmers, but, um, you know, we have, it's like a hobby, a hobby farm, you know. Yeah, but this is uh, not something that's like in your book. What I'm saying is like the interest of the kids, I guess, like you're pointing out all the different interests, the geology, the farming. It's it's cool to see your kids and to watch them pick things that they naturally gravitate towards, like that you n- may necessarily not even be in or give them habits. Like that's fascinating to me as well. Mm-hmm. Right. It allows, I think nature, you talked about it a, a while ago, but about how there aren't many things that hit all of us, you know, like I don't like the same type of books as my four-year-old and I don't like the same type of movies as my 12-year-old, but we all can find something outside, you know, and, and, and really up until very old age, you know, they can go outside with a grandparent, you know, a a two-month-old can have a great time outdoors with a grandparent. So it's really one of the only things that spans, you know, um, from birth from birth, the whole life cycle. And nothing's changed with it. Like, it's the same. It's the same trees, the same dirt, the same path. The water's moving. Like, 
like nature is just there. It, and and I this is what's crazy about it is as much as we like to go 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 and the technology and everything's taking over and like we're just on the go all the time with this stuff is that I don't know if you ever watched that show or even saw clips of it where what happened if people just left like if there was no action and how fast the earth would actually take things over like if you think about a house like you see an old house is about to fall down that house wouldn't fall down if somebody was living in it the whole time it wouldn't and it's kind of crazy to think that nature will take over the structures that we build and turn it back into nature it's amazing it is it's and amazing then, and then you're the, so the kids get to go out there and see all of this movement and things in action, like this living thing that they have around them that's constantly like consuming things. And it's like, there's so many cool things outside. That's why we love, that's that's why we love to hike and that's why we're drawn to your site. And it's interesting. I just read, um, I just got a new book by Joseph Chilton Pierce. He, I don't know a lot about him, but he does talk about how kids tend to go like catatonic in front of a screen. He talks about how like it kind of just turns their brain off basically. Um, but he was talking about in his book about how, um, nature, like it doesn't matter. You know, this is like a global thing. You know, it could be, you live in Texas where it's hot and we're in Michigan in the snow and you could be in Alaska or Hawaii, or you could be in, you know, Africa. It doesn't matter it doesn't matter where you are or what the natural elements are. They work. They work for every person at every age, at every stage, all across the globe. So it's this, you know, and they help children develop through these different milestones, um, no matter what the elements are, no matter where you live. So it's fascinating, really. Yes. And speaking of Michigan, and I'm going to go off on a weird one, but I was wondering about your hours outside during the winter. I know when we've gone, like, so all the kids love to ski. We took them skiing last year and they just loved it. Like, and I don't, I don't know that there's even to this day for me, and I'm 40 years old. I do not know that there is a bigger thrill than sledding down a hill, no matter what size, like how much fun is it to sled? No matter how old you are, it doesn't matter. It's, it's a crazy enjoyable thing and it's just you can do it on a piece of cardboard uh whatever you want just you need something that you can sit on to slide down this hill right in the snow so do you do the same sort of activities outside during the winter i know winters in michigan are not the same as like if you're going to a mountain in colorado that's a little different no i mean they're fun i think the so we get asked two main questions from like this is like the two main questions that come in the first one is, does sleeping in a tent count toward your outside hours? <laughs> so I have been asked that question, I mean, maybe a thousand times. It's a I great mean, question. So many people, and it is a good question. And, you know, we say there's no official rules. This is just our journey. I would say no. You know, um, I would I would tend toward no because, you know, we want to be engaged. And so I wouldn't, I wouldn't count sleeping hours. But um, we also get asked a lot, what about winter? And, um, you know, I don't like being cold. Uh, it's just, it's a struggle. I think to get young kids, especially outside in snow boots and snow pants and gloves and get their thumb in the little mitten hole and the hats. <laughs> so there's a lot of work involved. It's like hefty work. Um, but I read, um, Linda McGurk, she has a book called, uh, there's no such thing as bad weather where she talks about like in other areas of the country and I'm going to get it wrong. I think it's Sweden, like where people are outside. It doesn't matter the weather. They just change what they're wearing. You know, they're outside every day. It's, it's a whole culture thing. And, and so she really taught me to look at, look at what the different seasons provide. So like what you're saying is, you know, sledding is the best. And, and when kids walk up back up the hill, that's heavy. That's considered what's called heavy work, which is like extra, work for their joints and um, it helps develop their proprioception sense. I mean, it's really good for them. It's so much exercise. I remember walking up the sled hills as a kid. It's like a lot of work. And um, so each season provides different opportunities for us um, to find things that we enjoy and um, 
you know, the kids are building snowmen already, and we, we made a snow lantern the other day. It was a blast, you know, really delightful. So I have tried to change my mindset. Um, we're not outside as long, usually. So I think that's why I did a year-long challenge. Um, parenting is tricky, and there are a lot of different seasons. You know, you have new babies, and you have job loss, and you have these things that are hard. You have coronavirus, and um, so I try and look at it as a course of a year, you know, I can't really get my kids outside for three hours every single day. You know, sometimes we have orthodontist or, you know, there's these things that come up, but over the course of a year, I feel like I can, I can provide my kids with enough sensory motor, you know, experiences outdoors, um, that help them develop in all of, all of their facets as a whole child. And so, um, you know, in the warmer months and it's probably opposite for you. You know, in the summer, we can be outside all day, you know, whereas the winter, maybe we're going out for an hour or maybe we're going out a little bit in the morning and a little bit in the afternoon. Um, But I think in the South, I always hear it's kind of the opposite, where in the dead of the summer, maybe you can only go out when it's in the evening because it's so hot. It just depends. Like you get acclimated to it. You know, I see this is a funny this is a funny relation to that. But like growing up in South Texas my whole life, it's uber hot all the time. I mean, it's crazy. You can wear like I wear shorts in the the wintertime. You know, there's only a few cold fronts that blow through and then it goes back up into the 70s sometimes. Right. So I'm cruising along and then this cold day comes along we had a lot of winter texans down in the valley right that would come down from minnesota and you know truly cold places and they're out there playing golf in the rain in like 39 degrees in shorts (laughs) no gloves like walking right and i watch them tee off and i'm going like why would you play on a day like this we have so many good ones and then you go to some of these places this is before i like visited some of these cold places you go there and you're like watch them like the way they're walking around and I'm bundled up. Like I'm bundled up. And they're just like, I got a throw over on. It's no big deal. Right. And they're just talking like yeah. no big deal. I'm like, my teeth are chattering. This is freezing cold. So like your body gets acclimated. So I'm used to the heat. Like I drink water naturally like crazy. I just drink a ton of water out of instinct. Not it's because of necessity of where I grew up. I need the hydration because it's 105 degrees outside, you know? Wow. But a lot of people would say 105, too hot. You know, I'm not going out. (laughs) I think that is a thing. So I don't know. I've just learned over the years that weather, you know, that that it it provides different opportunities. 105 provides different opportunities than 39 and raining. So we've tried to change our mindset to look at at it that way. And that has really helped our joy um, and helped sort of our focus. But you know, that doesn't mean that we're going to go outside for four hours when it's, you know, sub freezing. So do you help people out with this situation, especially being there? Like the cold's a different animal. It really is like we can be outside longer. And so like and and the chart is awesome. And I think it motivates people to get out. But do you, do you answer a lot of questions and help people out, out a lot when they're they're struggling with ideas to do with their kids that maybe don't like the cold or. Like you've got a, a perspective where you you've done it now, so you've actually applied your theories to the weather and where you're at. Do you help people out a lot with that? If they reach out to you, are you like, yeah, I've got suggestions for you? Yeah, and it just tends to be the same thing, which is layer layer your clothes. <laughs> uh, don't wear don't wear cotton. Cotton cotton stays wet, and wet makes you cold. So if you wear cotton as your base layer, you're going to be cold. You know, try and steer clear of cotton and. Um, you know, and, and find what you love to do. Like we've actually not gone skiing. It's really expensive. We've got a lot of kids. It um, is very but I expensive. Know people do, it is, but people do love that. And so if you find what you love, like winter hiking is really nice because all the leaves are gone and you can see, um, you can really see things in a different perspective. So, um, yeah, so I do give advice and it's just, it ten, it's so simple. It's simple advice. Um, but I think, people are glad that there's that there is an answer because maybe they're expecting me to say, well, just stay inside, you know, or just skip it. But I think when I say, like a lot of people will say, I thought this was a crazy idea until I learned that you were also from Michigan, you know, <laughs> and then they're like, oh, okay, well, someone else is doing it in the cold weather, so I guess I can do it too. We actually went hiking today with a, um, 
homeschool group and it was snowing and it was windy and it was pretty cold and there was probably 30 kids there you know so people are people get out you know and I think when we see other people doing it that's the power a little bit of the Instagram you know you see these happy kids and you're like oh you know oh maybe I should be doing that and also the affirmation I guess the reason I asked that is like human beings sometimes all you need to do something you really have been wanting to do is that nudge of affirmation that somebody else has done it. Like mm-hmm. once you it, just sitting here looking right. at you and talking to you, like if I, you say, Oh yeah, I got it. I just layer, get out in the snow. And you're so confident and calm. Like, cause you've done it. Like you've, you've already done that before. So they go, Oh yeah, just layer. Okay. She, okay. You know, I feel more confident now that my kids are going to be okay and everything's going to be fine as they and go. Then I think once, yeah. Once they do it once, that's sort of the whole point. I think once you do it once, once you're convinced one time, well, then that changes your whole path. You know, we spent one four-hour time outside, one, in September of 2011, and that changed my whole path. So I think that's the power of nature, and, um, you know, if someone has one great hike outside in the winter, and they feel invigorated, and they feel... um, you know, like they got a lot out of it, then they're going to do it again. And to try different things that they've never tried before. Like that thrill and that experience of trying something new, like for you. And you say, it doesn't have to be go jump off a cliff or skydiving or, or stunt. You did something new, which was four hours outside at a park, right? But that's new. That's different. That's outside your comfort zone. You're not used to it. This is not the daily routine. I'm trying to rack my brain and figure out ideas. And like you said, it's so simple, but that is something new to you. So you get the rush of learning something new by going for four to six hours outside one day. And you're like, I like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's, yeah. I guess that's, that's the beautiful thing about your program, the thousand hours and giving them the chart and looking at the little color thing so they can stay like engaged with oh have i hit my thousand hours today you know or or this year or whatever you know you're you're coloring in your days and the different stuff and then like keeping them engaged and that want and getting them to do new things all so simple with just a little motto of a thousand hours outside it's really simple you know i think part of it too we're really big on parenting as modeling you know that there's that saying that says, be what you want your child to become, which is like, um, so simply profound, you know, but that really is what parenting is. We're modeling for our kids. And so I look at my kids and know, you know, in 10 years, they may be a parent and technology is just becoming increasingly pervasive. Um, you know, I feel like I saw at Costco, you know, you can buy a television um, in your refrigerator, you know I don't know but I think that part of this is modeling for our kids you know people always ask I want the app is there an app and like partially it's like well we don't I mean we're, we're not like making money you know it's not like a business business where I'm like well I can drop five thousand dollars on an app it's just been our journey so there is no app but part of it is like I want my kids to know that there needs to be balance in their life between screens and real world experiences. So I like that aspect of it too. I think it will help for any child who does it. I think that it will help them when they become a parent. I love it. I love it. Well, Jenny, tell everybody where they can find all of your information. They can buy your book. They can, you know, download your charts. My book is like a kid's book. Yeah. Yeah. But I do have a book coming out next year of like simple nature crafts. It's, but it's not coming out until October or November. Oh, so Um, now you're going to be an author multiple times over then. Well, I guess so. I guess so. So that'll be a cool one. That one's going to be distributed internationally. So, um, um, yeah, it's easy to find me. I'm 1,000 hours outside. It's 1000. Um, so it's 1000You know, there's hashtag 1000HoursOutside on Instagram. Um, I'm at 1000HoursOutside. So it's easy to find on Facebook. And um, I have a children's book about my experiences going to visit the farm in West Virginia uh, where my grandma was born. And, um, you know, we got the tracker sheets. They're free to download. We have a free... Well, I don't know when this will post, but we have like an outdoor advent 
um, it'll be up like to it'll be up calendar. tomorrow morning. So it's it, oh, almost immediate. Okay, well yeah. Then, well then it starts tomorrow. Oh, so perfect. So we have like this free outdoor activity, um, like adding in nature to your outside time, adding in nature time to your like holiday season to help alleviate stress. So it's a free, um, like download of activity ideas uh, through the month of December. So there's a there's really a lot of good information there to help motivate parents to give them information so they feel confident um, sort of doing what they what maybe they feel like they know they should be doing awesome what what causes their kids to thrive so awesome so thank you so much for being on the show I'm gonna put everything in the show notes thanks Aaron this is great it's fantastic talking to you and and uh, hopefully maybe we can do it again in the future when your book comes out sure sounds great awesome thanks Jenny Thank you so much for joining me on this episode and thank you again to Jenny for being on the show. Go check her website out. It's in the show notes, a thousand hours outside. And don't forget to support all the sponsors, Sawed Off CrossFit Kids, DJ Rob or Rob with the hat. Hit him up at Merge Boutique and until the next episode, see ya.